Wasn't that a beautiful solo that she played? It was really wonderful. Thank God for Gloria. The Lord has skilled her and talented her uh, in the ministry of playing the piano. And we need it. It's a blessing to have musical accompaniment. And we thank the Lord for Gloria. We thank the Lord for all the music he's given us in our church. It's a blessing because as our brother Don Tinder was telling us, it's not like that in other places. And he travels around to many different assemblies. And many of them are very small and they don't have the music and they don't have a lot of the things we do. So we should be thankful for what the Lord has given to us. Before I begin the message, I want to tell you how thankful I am for a little girl in this church. Last Sunday morning, before we started the worship team, I was tearing up because this little girl came up to me and handed me this thank you card. And I found out later from her father, she decided on her own to do it. She wrote it herself. She didn't go out and buy a card like many of us do, and there's nothing wrong with that. She made the card, and she put it in her own words, and she wrote this to me. She, and this is from Sydney, Sydney Pachtacon. And this is what it looks like. On the outside, the back, it's beautiful, and then inside. In her own words, to Dean, thank you for all you do for the church and for Jesus. I mean, that just stopped me last week. I mean, I started to cry because here's a little girl that is so thankful for what the Lord has done for her and what she's given in this church. And I'm thankful for all these kids. You should hear them. They're memorizing the scriptures. They're learning the scriptures in Sunday school. They're learning at home. You parents are teaching them so well, and I'm thrilled with Caitlin, who's able to stay home now with her kids, and when mothers can do that, it's such a blessing, and I'm thankful for what we have in our church, and I'm thankful for all the Lord has done. But it is beautiful to see these kids, and it's so neat, too. They put their, their little offerings in, and they, they give, and they serve, and they do so many things for the Lord. Shall we just thank the Lord and open in prayer? Father, we just want to thank you for each one of the kids in our church each one of the adults, each one of the people. Lord, we're one family. We thank you for saving us by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and giving us eternal life. And we pray now this morning as we turn to your word that you will speak to our hearts, Father, in a powerful way, in whatever we need to hear today. We pray for souls to be saved today. We pray for believers to be encouraged, Lord, for each of us in our walk before you. Please hide me behind the cross, and may the words that are spoken be your words, Lord. May you lead by the Holy Spirit to exactly what we need for our lives today. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. You know, it's amazing how something can happen in the world, and in, almost instantaneously it goes out over the internet, whether good or bad. Mostly bad. I mean, Friday night, Justin Bieber was out doing a little driving in Florida, just a little driving in Florida. He was going 60 miles an hour in a 30 mile an hour zone under the influence of drugs and alcohol. He was arrested and taken into jail. And he's one of the first persons I've ever seen smiling for his mugshot. I mean, they, they had a picture of him on the TV smiling for his mugshot. People are not ashamed of sin anymore. They're not ashamed of their lives and when they do wrong anymore. And then he got out as he was going out of prison, and the people were cheering for him, and he's up on the car. And we've seen it by many different celebrities, Lindsay Lohan and others. 
And it's so sad to see what's going on in our world today. And then if that's not bad enough, then Saturday we hear of a shooting that goes on at the mall back in Maryland, not far from Washington, D.C. A lone gunman shot two people and then turned the gun on himself. And again, that went out over the news and people hear about these things. Our world is broken. It's crumbling. It's disintegrating right before our eyes. And the only hope for this world is Jesus Christ. I mean, we can't say if we get a new president, if we get a new Congress, things will get better. If we can just have better education in the schools, if we can just do this and do this and do this, man has solutions, but they haven't worked. They haven't worked since the Garden of Eden because there's no solution for sin. There's no solution for sin apart from Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. All of us are sinners. We're all guilty. One day there was a, an editorial that went out in the newspaper, and the editorial said this, what is the world coming to? And I read that in, the, in this illustration format that I have at home, and I, and I thought, that could be said today. What is this world coming to? And yet it was spoken of many years ago. Well, there was a man of God, his name is G.K. Chesterton. He wrote back, what is wrong with the world? I am. You know, this world is sinful because it's composed of sinners. And we're sinners and we're apart from God and we have no hope. And that's why the Lord Jesus had to come and die on the cross for our sins. So we could save a Justin Bieber. So we could save a Lindsay Lohan. So he could save me. And he could save you. He loved us enough to come all the way from heaven and give his life to save us so that we could be cleansed and forgiven and have eternal life life. Today we're going to title our message, Come to Jesus. Simple. Three words, come to Jesus. If you turn in your Bible, and we'll have it on the screen, to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. We're going to read this portion of scripture. It's familiar to uh, most, if not all of us. It's just found in the gospel of Matthew. It's not in the other gospels. It's an account that affected Matthew himself, and he wrote about it. He, he recorded it. The Holy Spirit decided to put this in the Scriptures because he knows we, they needed it then, and we need it now so much. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For your yoke, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts. The Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior. He died on the cross. He paid the price for our sins so that we could have eternal life. And that's what Christianity is all about. Well, interestingly, one day, long time ago, a man was preaching by the name of D.M. Stearns. D.M. Stearns. He was preaching in Philadelphia. And at the close of his message, a stranger came up to him and said this, I don't like the way you spoke about the cross. I think instead of emphasizing the death of Christ, it would be far better to preach Jesus, the teacher, and example. 
Stearns replied, if I presented Christ in that way, would you be willing to follow him? Oh, most certainly, he said without hesitation. All right then, said Stern, let's take, let's take the first step. He did no sin. Can you claim that? Why, no, he said, somewhat surprised by the question. I acknowledge I do sin. Stearns replied, then your greatest need is not to have a teacher or an example, but a savior. That's why Jesus came. Now, saying that, Jesus was the greatest teacher. Jesus was the greatest example. But more than that, he was the greatest savior. The only savior. The only sinless person that ever lived that could go to the cross and take your sins and my sins. And that's what we're going to talk about today, Jesus and what he did and how he died and how he rose victoriously and how he's in heaven, representing us in heaven. And today we're going to look at three things, and I put them in my Bible, I wrote them in my margin of my Bible, there are three words and we're going to look at them today. Come, take, and learn. Come, take, and learn. It's simple, it helps us to remember it if we can put these things into a easy to remember format. Jesus said here in verse 28, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Another word for labor is weary. I think if you want to summarize the world today in many ways is people are weary, they're tired, they're struggling, they're frustrated over many things, they have sin in their life they can't get rid of, they have habits in their life they can't change, Life is difficult for people outside of Christ. And so he came to love us and to go to the cross to save us. I love the fact that when the Lord Jesus came into this world, he didn't come to condemn, he came to save. He didn't come to put us down and, and to write all our sins down and say, look at you, look Dean, at you did this again and you did that and you did that. No, he didn't do that. He came to save us, to forgive us and to give us a new life. That's why he came. It would have been wonderful to be there in those days, wouldn't it, where you could see Jesus face to face, and you could hear that message, and you could be touched right there. But we couldn't be there because we're living here. But we still have the message of God's word from Genesis to Revelation, and this particular portion in particular that we can be blessed by, we can be encouraged by it, we can be challenged by it, because it's so true. I like we're talking about young people. It's interesting what the Lord Jesus said in verse 25 of this chapter. He says, at that time, Jesus answered and said, and he's praying to the Father, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. You know, some people are so scholarly and they study and they're so scholarly that they can't humble themselves to accept the gospel message as simple as it is. They want to complicate it. They want to add to it. They want to do this. They want to do that. But the message is simple. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again. And by accepting him as our Lord and Savior and repenting of our sins and asking him into our hearts, we can be forgiven and have eternal life. Simple, plain, done deal. But the world says, well, we got to do good works we got to earn our way to heaven. I'm doing pretty good. I'm not there yet. That's not what the Bible teaches. We can never get there that way. 
We can never earn it. We can never deserve it. We can never merit it. Because God's standards way up here. Perfection. Sinless perfection. And we can't achieve it. That's why Jesus came down, who was sinlessly perfect. He took our sins, bore them in his own body, and now we can be forgiven and we can be presented to the Father through Jesus Christ as forgiven and perfect in him. And that's what it's all about. It's awesome. It's a wonderful truth that we have. We thank God for it. So many people don't want to acknowledge, though, that they're sinners, but the Bible comes straight forward in Romans 3.23. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Does that mean us? Does that mean like everybody in the whole world? Yes, it does. Does it mean everybody who has ever lived? Yes, it means everybody who's ever lived is a sinner. Does it mean everybody who will be born and live on in the future in this world? It means everybody. Everybody. It's so amazing. You don't have to teach these little kids to sin, do you? <laughs> do you have to teach your kids a uh, song about how to sin when they... Do you need to teach them to say no, to rebel? No, they learn. It's in their nature because of the sin nature that we have from Adam. But Jesus came to give us a new nature, to save us and give us the nature of God, a new nature, the holy nature. And he wants to change our lives. And praise be to God for that. The Lord doesn't like to see people burdened by sin and carrying around this heavy load. We saw that movie years ago at the church, and, and it's based on the book Pilgrim's Progress, and you see this man, Christian, and he's carrying this heavy burden around. And it's so heavy, and it's dragging him down, and then finally, he arrives at the cross, and he comes to Jesus, and all of a sudden, you see that heavy weight just rolled off his back, and it goes rolling down the hill. It's gone. And when he takes away the burden of our sin, it's gone forever. No more remembrance of that sin. No more. No more. It's done. It's settled. We don't have to struggle with it anymore. We don't have to carry it around anymore. Jesus says, bring me your heavy burden of sin and I will give you righteousness, peace, and eternal life. It's a blessing. It really is a blessing. But sin brings those things in our lives. You see people around you struggling today at school and at work and in the family. People struggling, struggling to make it in life without Christ. You can't. You can get through it, but you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it well without Jesus. You can't. And you can't make it eternally without him because the Bible is very clear. If we have him in our lives and we're saved, we're going to heaven. If we don't, we're not. We're going to hell. God made it clear and simple, and man wants to somehow change it and move it around to maybe, but no, it's very clear from the scriptures. That's why God loves us so much. He wants to save us. He wants us to be free from our sins. You know, when Jesus came to the world, the Pharisees got very angry and upset because they said to his disciples, why does your master eat with tax gatherers and sinners? You know, they looked down. They were religious people, these Pharisees. They were very strict. And they say, why is he eating and drinking with, with sinners? But Jesus made it very plain in Matthew chapter 9, verses 10 to 12, when he talks about this thing. Because it's right here he says, now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house. He was with Matthew and all the tax gatherers and different ones that, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? They were very judgmental. When Jesus heard that, 
he said this, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. We're thankful for that. We're thankful for that. You know, Jesus came to save people, and that's the blessing of it. Think about people who were very weary in the New Testament, very weary. The woman at the well, she was weary about her sin. She had married so many husbands, and the one that she was now living with was not her husband. She carried around that burden. She was so guilty about her sin, she didn't even go to the well at the time of day when all the other ladies would be there to get water. No. She had to come at a time when nobody else was there. She was weary. She was heavy laden. She was burdened down. We also think of that man who was crippled at the pool of Bethesda. He pulled himself to that pool year after year after year. And before he had a chance to get himself into the pool and he had nobody put him in, somebody else went in and got healed. Somebody else got ahead of him. So year after year for 38 years, that's weary. That's laboring. That's heavy laden because of his issues. Very heavy laden. Then there was the woman caught in adultery. That's pretty amazing, too. That was a heavy burden she was carrying around. Can you imagine if someone, you committed a sin, and all of a sudden the whole town, practically, all these religious people, they come knocking at your door, you're guilty of adultery, you have to come with us. And they took her there, and they were going to stone her to death. And, and then we remember the words of the Lord Jesus, let him who has no sin cast the first stone. You know, it's easy to cast stones at people, right? She sinned. He sinned, they're wrong, they're bad, that's evil. But when we turn it around on us, we realize we have sinned. We have sinned against God. And that's why he loves us and he wants to forgive us and he wants to give us eternal life. And he says here, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. And he's not just talking about a physical rest. We all need that. We need vacations. We need breaks. We need lunchtime during the day to rest a little bit. But he's talking about a rest that's better than a physical rest. He's talking about spiritual rest. Rest in your soul. That peace that passes all understanding. Peace with God. When we have that, you can sit through it. You can go through any storm, anything that happens, because you have Christ and you have him in your life. He's the captain. He's the pilot. He's with us. Whether we go through storms or whatever we go through in life, problems, difficulties, trials, he's right there with us. And he gives us rest in our souls. I love that hymn that says, O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light for the darkness you see? There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Hebrews 4.9 says, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. When you're saved and you have Christ in your heart, you have that rest, you have that peace. Now, does it mean you're going to be problem-free, trouble-free? No. In fact, it's the opposite. We are going to have trials. We are going to have difficulties. We're going to lose our job sometimes. We're going to have health issues sometimes. We're going to be told bad news sometimes. But the Lord is right there with us. And we know our soul security is sealed and secured. And nothing else that happens can, can move us because we're in Christ. And that's a blessing. 
Rest is so beautiful, though, it really is. And when the Lord gives you that rest, it is an encouragement. And he uses the word rest two times in verses 28 to 30. The first time he's talking about the rest of salvation. The second time he's talking about the rest of sanctification, the rest in our lives that we have as Christians and all the circumstances that we go through in life. And it is a blessing. And the question is for us today, will we, will you come to Jesus today? He has the answer. He has the solution for it. It's amazing, you know, if, if somebody has a solution for cancer, let's say, they develop a cure for it, wouldn't that be something that would be great? I mean, that would be for everybody who has cancer. They could come, they could take one little pill. One pill, let's say, you take it, and it's gone. But it's even better than that spiritually because all we have to do is accept Jesus Pray, accept him into our life, and he cures sin. He cures it. He takes it away. He forgives it. And it's a blessing. And all we have to do is come to him. Secondly, he says, take my yoke upon you. For those who don't know, the yoke is what, a little leather piece that they connected the two animals with when they would plow the field. They usually have two oxen that would pull the plow, and they would put them together, and, and they would have two oxen to do it. You could do it with one, but wouldn't it be better to have two? So they would hook them up together. That's why in the New Testament, when it says don't be unequally yoked, because they would never take a donkey and an ox and put them together. They're two different animals, or a horse and a mule. They, you can't. They have to be the same kind of animal. You have to yoke them up. And so as believers in Christ, when we come to him, when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, we're yoked up with Christ. We're joined together with Christ. He's with us in all that we go through in life, and that is so encouraging to me. In our modern society today, we might put it this way. We're in Jesus's network. We're on his Wi-Fi. We're part of his network. We're part of his uh, life, and we're joined together with Christ. You know, they have this social media site called LinkedIn, and when you're linked in, you're linked into the system, but more than that, you're linked in with other people like you, maybe looking for jobs or maybe in the same industry and so forth. Well, we'll put it this way. When you're saved, you're linked in with Jesus. You're linked in with Jesus. And he is the Savior. And he's not a hard taskmaster either. He's not a difficult boss. He's not someone who's difficult and hard to get along with. He's loving and gentle and patient. We have such a great Lord, such a great Savior. Think about this. Think about the best boss you ever had. Visualize that person. You probably, maybe now you have him or her, or maybe in the past. Think of the best boss. Jesus is better than the best boss you could have. Think about the best friend you've ever had. There's one right here for me and, and back there. I have these best friends from like 30 years ago when I met them and I love them and I have all of you as my friends, but they're like my special best friend. Jesus is even better than the best friends we have. Even better. And think of the best teacher you ever had in life. Maybe it's Adam. Adam's a teacher. Maybe it's Shauna. She's a teacher. Wouldn't you like to be known as the best teacher that the student says, I, this, you're the best I ever had? Well, Jesus is better than the best teacher, better than the best 
friend, better than the best boss. He is the best because he's God and he loves us so much as to want to be intimate with us and to walk with us and be yoked up with us. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart. I like what a man named Peter Forsyth said when he said this. He said, the first duty of every soul is not to find out its freedom, but its master. Not to find its freedom, but its master. A lot of people says, I just want to be free. I just want to do my own thing. I just want to do it my way. You know, that started in a long time ago, back in the 1970s. That was the thing. Do your own thing, do your own thing. And you watch those people that did their own thing. Didn't work too well for you. You might say to them, how'd that work for you? Not too good, right? <clears throat> Not too good. If people would realize that God has the manual here to go by, that if you live by according to God's word, you're going to be happy, you're going to have success, you're going to be thankful, because he's given us everything we need. Sylvia was mentioning it on Thursday. In his word, he's addressed every problem, every need that we could possibly have. And the answers are there in the scriptures, but people are not looking at it. People have Bibles in their house that are gathering dust. They don't even know what the Bible says because they don't read it. And yet they don't, it says, oh, I don't believe in the Bible. The Bible has myths. The Bible has errors. The Bi if you say, well, show me a myth in the Bible. Show me an error. Show me one thing that is wrong with it. They can't because they don't know. And that's why we have to present the Word of God to people as what it is. The Bible is the Word of God. The Scripture says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so we can be saved that way. Jesus said in, in the Scriptures very clearly, therefore if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And it's great to be a, a free person in Christ. But you can put it this way, the greatest freedom is to be a bond slave of Christ. Because when you're on your own free, you're free, you get yourself into all kinds of problems and sin. But when you're in Christ and you're his bondservant and his bondslave, you have the greatest freedom, the freedom from sin. You know, it's, it's neat because the Lord Jesus, in effect, is saying this to us. I want to be yoked with you. That's the amazing thing. The God of the universe wants to be yoked up with me, with you. We don't consider ourselves worthy and we're not worthy to be yoked up with Christ. He wants to be. He says, when you get up in the morning and go to school, I'm yoked up with you. I'm going to go with you and be with you. When you get up in the morning to go to work, we're yoked together. We're one. When we go out to the, do the, the, to the malls or to the shopping stores or gasoline, wherever we go on our air, he's with us. He's yoked up with us. And he says, my yoke, my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. He doesn't make the Christian life hard for us. He's with us and he helps us to conquer it. He helps us to be victorious and to be overcomers. And I'm thankful for that. You know, how many players in the NFL would like to be part of the Broncos team this week? Or part of the Seattle Seahawks team this week? But they can't be. There's only 53 players that are going to play on each team. And it's quite a privilege to play in the Super Bowl. Only a few, though, can be on that team. But guess what? Every person who receives Jesus Christ can be part of Jesus' team. Jesus' team. And I like Jesus' team better than the Seahawks, 
which I don't like. I don't like the Seahawks, sorry. And I, and I like them better than the Broncos, and I don't care too much for them. <clears throat> but we have a better team because we don't lose. Jesus has never lost a game. We're, he's our head coach. He's our motivator. He's, our, he's the love and the best friend of our life. It's so amazing. I was really touched by the story Mike told us this week about how he and Spencer, his grandson, are building, and they haven't finished it yet, a clubhouse in the backyard. And when Spencer started off, he named the clubhouse as Spencer's Secret Spy Clubhouse, right? Secret Spy Clubhouse. Well, see, Spencer has been learning the truth of the scriptures. Spencer has been learning the word of God since he was born, and he's really smart. So he said, Grandpa, I want to change the name of my clubhouse. And he said, well, what do you want to change it to? He says, I want to call it Jesus, Team Jesus Clubhouse. <laughs> Team Jesus Clubhouse. So if you ever go by their house, you get a chance to see it. It's gonna, it's got a picture, and it's, you could see it if Mike will show it to you on his cell phone. Team Jesus Clubhouse, it says a sign right on there. Here's the little boy, he's got it. He understands that he's on Jesus' side. He's on Jesus' team, and that's the way he wants it. And that's the way we should be too. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then finally, not only is it important to come to the Lord, come to him, take his yoke, but he also wants us to learn uh, from him. He says, I learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart. We've all had teachers, we've all had coaches who are kind of harsh. They're kind of mean. They teach you, but their, their bedside manner leaves a lot to be desired. Maybe a doctor, maybe you've had a great doctor, but he's got a terrible bedside manner. You don't like to go to him because he's blunt. He, he's, he's rude. We've had teachers that are just like on you night and day. You, they, you say, how can you learn in an environment like that? Sometimes we learn, but we don't get the most out of it. Jesus isn't that way. He doesn't come and force us. He doesn't kind of impose himself on us. But he invites us to accept his invitation to be saved, to take his yoke upon ourselves, and to walk with him. And when we do that, we find in his word commandments to obey, promises to claim, principles to live by, and it's such a great blessing. I read a story about teachers here. It was written by William A. Ward, who is a great preacher and teacher of God's word. He said this, and Shauna and, and Adam will really like this. It says, a mediocre teacher tells. A good teacher explains. A superior teacher demonstrates. The great teacher inspires. And Christ is all of those things. He tells us, he explains what it means, he demonstrates it by his own example, and he most of all inspires us to walk with him, to obey him, and to live for him in this world. Jesus is the greatest teacher. That's why I love the Bibles that have the red letters in them. What does that mean? The words of Christ in red. And some chapters in the scriptures are all red. The whole chapter is red. In fact, if you go to Matthew 5, 6, 
and 7, they're all read because it's the Sermon on the Mount. And so forth, there's many portions. Many portions in chapter 11, chapter 12, they're all read. Jesus' words. He's a great teacher. He has so much to teach us. And I thank God he's patient with us. I really do. Because if, it was, if he graded on a curve, I wouldn't do too good. If he was harsh and said, well, you've got to get 99% or you've got to get 100%, he's not that way. He's not forceful. He's loving. He's patient. Doesn't mean he excuses us if we do wrong. He does not. Doesn't mean he doesn't want us to learn and grow and learn from the script. He does. But he's not going to be pushy. He's not going to force us. You know, Jesus is a shepherd teacher, and he has a rod, and he has a staff. With the rod, he uses it gently to prod us. Come on, Dean. Come on. Prod us. Prod us along. You can do it. You can do more. You can pray more. You can read the word more. You can witness more. He does it so gently, though. He doesn't hit us with a two-by-four on the head, right? My, he doesn't come down heavy on us, but he prods us with his rod. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. And then the staff is the one that has the hook on it. Looks like kind of a question mark. He uses that staff to get us back in the right line. He doesn't come and yank us, but gently with that staff. Come on, come on back. Come on back to Bethel. Come on back to where you were before you took the detour, before you took the wrong path. Come back. Come back. Get on the right path. Get on the right place in your life. So we look today at this beautiful, wonderful passage of Scripture, and Jesus has made it so clear. Come to me, all you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, or you're weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus is the Savior. He died on the cross. What do I have to do? All I have to do is believe in him, receive him into my heart, accept him as my Savior, turn from my sins to Christ, and he will give you a new life. He'll give us a new life. Take my yoke. So many people says, I'm not going to follow anybody. I'm not going to obey. I'm going to do it my own way. That doesn't get us anywhere. We have to take the yoke of Christ. Even after we're saved, we can sometimes get off the path if we want to do our will, our plan. Do it our way. It seems so good. Right now, I'm looking into a job, looking for a job. And there's two of them, and I'm waiting to see, am I going to get an offer on this one, or an offer on both of them, or none of them, or whatever it is, and it's waiting, and sometimes that's hard to do, wait. But we're waiting, and we know that the Lord has a plan in this, a plan in this. Taylor sang that song, God had another plan. God had another plan. Sometimes he does. We think we have the right plan, and we're going the right way, and the Lord shows us, no, that's not the right way, Dean. Go this way. Go this way. Go into this job, go into this, take this, get this house, get this particular situation. And when we do that, we're yoked up with Christ, so we're perfectly happy to let him do the leading, because he does it the better way. If we do it ourselves, we're going to crash the car every time. But when we let him drive it, it's perfect. You know, they got these new cars now. I can't wait to maybe get one one day. It'll be kind of neat. They call them a self-driving car. And you get it behind the self-driving car. You sit in the car, and you just kind of relax. You can have your coffee there. You can, you can probably, we'll be able to text on our cell phone, I think, and, and talk on the cell phone and do all kinds of things because the car will drive itself. 
<laughs> Bill's laughing. I don't know if Bill would ever do that because Bill likes to be in control. He likes to drive the car. He doesn't want anybody, to, even a self-driving car. But they show him on TV, self-driving car. In fact, Google has, I don't like to you know, give a, a boost to the companies and stuff individually, but Google has a new thing now. They have a new thing. Let's say you want to go to a restaurant, Vicky, and you, and you say, I want to go to, let's, let's use Giuseppe's, it's right down here, restaurant. So Google has a thing now that Vicky just goes online and she says, I want to go to this restaurant. The Google car comes and picks her up and takes her to the restaurant. It's amazing what the, the technology they, they have. But those self-driving, and they said on the news last night, I was watching it, they said, maybe Google will have a self-driving car. They'll send a self-driving car to pick you up and take you to the restaurant. It's amazing. But thank God that we have the Lord driving the car. Aren't you thankful that he's in control and driving the car? Because when we take that yoke upon him, we, ourselves, we find his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He doesn't weigh us down. He said the Pharisees were like those people that kept putting burdens on the people, burdens on the people. Do this, do that, heavy burdens. But he says, you don't even, you Pharisees don't even lift one finger to help a person. You just put burdens on them. Christ doesn't put burdens on us. He takes them off of us. And he says, casting all your care, all your anxiety upon me, for I care for you. I love it. There's a hymn that I found in my old blue hymn book. Adel might remember it from the days of Sun Valley. It's called the Choice Hymns of the Faith. Choice Hymns of the Faith. Because I remembered this hymn, and it goes like this. The chorus says, His yoke is easy, his burden is light. I found it so, I found it so. He leadeth me by day and by night where rivers of living water flow. May the Lord encourage our hearts today to follow Christ, to accept him as Lord and Savior, to follow his leading, to take his yoke, to do his will. Then we can have a great 2014. Not a good one, but we'll have a great one if we follow the simple steps. Come, take, and learn. May God encourage us. Shall we look to him in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, today we pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus as Savior, that they will come to that realization in their life that they're struggling. They can't make it on their own. They can't be saved apart from you. That they're sinners, Lord, and that they need to come to you. Lord, we all had to come the same way. We all had to get off our high horse. We all had to acknowledge your, your lordship and, and that you're Lord and Savior and that you died on the cross for us. And so we pray today that people will come and accept you, Lord Jesus, as their Lord and Savior and be born again turn from their sins and turn to you. And Lord, we pray that we will, as Christians, take your yoke upon ourselves. Your yoke is easy and your burden is light, that we'll learn from you every day, Lord. We're not going to have all the answers in ourselves at all. We need your answers. We need your solutions and your remedies. And we come to you, Lord, to your word. And we thank you that you made your word available to us. It's simple and clear. And we pray that we would continue to learn until you take us home to heaven. We just commit ourselves to you today and pray you'll take us safely home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.